It might be easier to state what part of a modern society artificial intelligence hasn't touched to show how important it is to our daily lives, business operations and society. Intelligence machines are influencing nearly every facet of our lives to help improve efficiencies and augment our human capabilities. Artificial intelligence is so intertwined in all that we do, it's hard to imagine living life without it. Isn't that amazing? Well, we will discuss more on this. First, a very warm welcome to all our listeners. Hello, everyone. You are listening to Analytics Insight. I am Priya Dialani, Senior Editor in Analytics Insight and your host. Now, if someone from the 1950s traveled through time and arrived in 2021, they would marvel at the way we use our smartphones to navigate around town, how virtual digital assistants such as Alexa and Cortana respond to our queries and would be baffled by our addiction to social media channels such as Facebook, Instagram, and of course, Twitter. It's tempting to regard algorithms as objectives, unbiased constructs that are free from the corruptive influence of human prejudices and biases. Unfortunately, this is seldom the case because algorithms are designed by humans and increasingly learning by observing human behavior, they tend to adopt the biases of the developers and of a society as a whole. Now, to debunk more on the bias, myths, and ethical implications facing technology, today with us we have Mr. Charlie Bergwine, founder and CEO of Valkari, a consulting group with domain expertise in applied science and strategy. Hi, Charlie. How are you doing? Doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to have you with us today, Charlie. Yeah, thank you very much for having us. We're looking forward to the conversation. Great. So uh, before we um, uh, uh, go deep uh, into the myths and ethical implications, could you tell us about the company, uh, its focus on artificial intelligence and the services it offers? Sure. You can think of Valkyrie as kind of like a modern day Bell Labs. Um, We take a collection of scientists from different domains, physicists, mathematicians, statisticians, biologists, and uh, we put them in a position to solve really complicated industrial and government problems where we take the, the foundations of the scientific method and our discipline, discipline expertise and develop algorithms, uh, machine learning capabilities, knowledge systems, uh, in, in, and craft those things together in a way that can better serve not only our clients, but humanity. Uh, our core operation is developing bespoke services. You can kind of think of us like a McKinsey or a Booz, but with scientists who deliver Python um, instead of uh, PDFs. And we have other operations as well. We have a a very exciting investment fund called Vertex, where we're investing in um, privately held companies based off of algorithmic insights, uh, as well as a racing operation where we are optimizing the performance of of, uh, cars and drivers uh, through technology, as as well as developing business relationships. Um, And we even have a philanthropic arm that's focused on giving back to the community. So Valkyrie does a number of different exciting things, um, all revolving around uh, the application of of cutting-edge science. That's quite interesting, uh, Charlie. Uh, And also, for a matter of fact that our listeners don't know, is that you have also served uh, as a research astrophysicist for NASA and a nuclear physicist for the U.S. Department of Energy before launching your own company at the age of 29. So can you tell us more about this role and also your role towards the company and the industry? Oh, sure. Uh, and I think of my career as, you know, even though it sounds uh, like I've been in a lot of places, I've always been solving the same problem at its core. Um, you know, I, I grew up as a, a lover of all things 
uh, you know, science. I was a physicist by training. And um, when, I was, when I was young, I had the opportunity to work at a number of different government labs and departments. And my undergraduate thesis work was with NASA um, through the Washington University. But um, what I realized quickly in my career was that there were a lot of people who were talking about the power of artificial intelligence but not a lot of people who were manifesting real breakthroughs and advances in the field. Um, and not to say that there aren't individuals who are making great strides nowadays, but a lot of the things that they're making great strides in are on the complementary capabilities for artificial intelligence, the, the power of, of, of GPUs, or graphical processor units, um, that are responsible for, for computing these gigantic linear algebra um, operations in order to identify, you know, computer vision applications, identify, you know, a, a car in a picture or a, a face um, out, of a, out of a field of faces. Um, those types of technologies are definitely advancing and they're advancing aggressively. But at the core, we still have a lot of misunderstandings about how the human mind works. And it's my assertion that the human mind <clears throat> is the last great expanse of, of exploration for exploration. Uh, we know much more about deep space um, than we do about how uh, neurons store information, recognize patterns, and, and share um, and share information between uh, between between them one another. Um, so it's our charter as Valkyries uh, to ad advance that research, um, albeit it's a slow and fledgling process for our team um, to to advance that research, but but to do so in a way that also gives back to the community and dramatically transforms our clients' uh, capabilities. Well, giving back to community is a really important aspect, I guess, the company is focusing. Um, uh, moving forward, um, Charlie, uh, if I go back to in 2015, Google's Photos app mistakenly tagged a photo of two black people as gorillas because its algorithm hadn't been trained with enough images of dark-skinned persons. In another case, the AI judge of a beauty contest mostly chose white participants as winners because its training was done on images of white people. Now, with all of these things happening, like we do have pros and cons of technology and uh, specifically artificial intelligence, if I'm talking about, how do you think um, the company is contributing towards the artificial intelligence and big data industry? And what is your viewpoint uh, on this current scenario uh, of how we can uh, overcome these difficulties? Sure. Well, I'll answer the, the easy question first. Um, Valkyrie takes the ethics of artificial intelligence very seriously. Uh, we have we have a number of our scientists um, who have put together a uh, really a task force against algorithmic biases and identifying issues that are that reside in our in our models. Uh, and so we we've faced that problem head on. Um, the larger the larger challenge of how do we mitigate some of the the, the, the implicit biases and explicit biases of artificial intelligence. Um, that's a question that's actually more emblematic of the larger uh, removal of biases that we're experiencing as a society today um, in that most artificial intelligent algorithms or machine learning algorithms are really derived off of patterns of behavior machines observe in ourselves. Uh, training data that we've taken over the course of a thousand years or a hundred years or 10 days um, all around a particular phenomenon, well, the only way these machine learning models are able to operate is by basically performing statistical analysis against those models and recognizing when there's been a success or a failure as defined by the human. So I guess I think that the question 
Um, the question is less for me is less around how do how does a machine learning algorithm select a white contestant as a winner of a beauty contest? And more, my question is how do we create data sets and behaviors as a community, as a society, where we are where we are are creating data that is that is uh, unbiased to begin with? Because the machine learning isn't actually introducing these biases; it's just reflecting the biases that we. Uh, created when we gathered the data in the first place. Definitely, Charlie. I think that's a really important uh, aspect that you have highlighted. That we usually tend to um, blame artificial intelligence and machine learning for such unbiased uh, outcomes, but the but the fact is, um, these algorithms that uh, are, that work upon the data are created by humans itself. So, of course, the bias that's there in the data set is from the humans and not from uh, the models or the algorithms that we are training. So, uh, what is normal to us um, uh, is now powered by AI, and that would be utterly foreign to our friend from the past. So, there's no doubt that artificial intelligence is an integral part of our daily lives. Uh, our financial institutions, legal institutions, media companies, insurance companies are all figuring out ways to use artificial intelligence to their advantage, from fraud detection to writing news stories with natural language processing and reviewing law briefs, AI's reach is quite extensive. Now, with this extensive uh, reach, and of course, uh, with uh, Valkyrie using artificial intelligence, uh, how do you think the company is innovative, uh, different from other companies in the AI space itself? And are there any key partnerships or involvement dance to drive the innovation? So Valkyrie, um, I would say, is is certainly the most unique firm that I've ever had a chance to work at. Um, we've, you know, this this will be the fifth or so data science team I've had the the, the fortune of of creating in my career, um, and it's the first one where I think we got the ingredients just absolutely right. Um, our team has extremely impressive credentials um, from the industrial space, from the academic space, from the research space, from the from the uh, government space, <clears throat> and yet we've created a culture where that's pretty superfluous. Um, Valkyrie is a very much a meritocracy where uh, anyone is capable of, of owning a project, of delivering um, substantive um, capabilities and, and uh, uh, outcomes for the clients. Um, it's really just a matter of how do we hone them uh, in a way that's going to be compelling um, for for uh, that that final client, the final deliverable. Um, so it's it's really a place where anybody can be successful, and we've been able to um, foster this culture of inclusivity, of, of again meritocracy, of accountability, uh, in a way that's very unique. And um, and our scientists re really respond to that. You know, we're a transparent organization. Uh, any any member of the science team. Uh, any member of the, the entire Valkyrie team can see our numbers at any point. Um, we re we regularly brief them on the state of the company. Uh, we we really put a lot of trust in them, and we also give eighty percent of our profits back to our own team. Um, so when you create a culture that has a degree of of uh, respect and love and uh, empowerment, um, and on the other side, accountability and and the ability to for individuals to own their own labor that creates a very unique environment. Um, so I don't think of our team as a collection of scientists who are employees. I think of our team as a collection of entrepreneurs who are solving interesting problems um, together, who are, who are bringing 
um, varied experience and domain expertise to the to the table uh, and and being creative together in a in a relatively flat structure. Um, I think that's really one of the keys to our success, and it's the reason that, um, frankly, we've been able to not only weather uh, some of these challenges, including COVID, but grow from them. Um, Valkyrie has grown tremendously over the last couple of years, um, with with our our lowest growth numbers being still a uh, you know fifty seven percent last year, which is really you know pretty remarkable. I'm quite quite grateful for that. Uh, so we're we're really um, we're very bullish on where we're going and the kinds of problems that we can solve, and people are recognizing that. Um, we have um, direct contracts with government entities in the defense and the intelligence space uh, in ways that uh, I've never seen small companies um, uh, garner that type of, uh, of respect and engagement before. Definitely. I think numbers uh, speak uh, much louder. And I think uh, that, that that coming straight from you shows that how well uh, Valkyrie is performing. And um, yes, we, we do need uh, a very dynamic and a constructive work environment so that we can contribute more towards the innovation and technological um, aspects and making sure that whatever we are delivering is useful for the society as a whole. A very uh, that that was a very um, important part, and I think that's that's how um, Valkari is differentiated from uh, the other companies in the AI space. Mm. Now, uh, moving uh, moving forward, um, tech workers are building the future. Uh, with that power comes a responsibility to build a future that is more free as well as prosperous than the present. And many tech workers are taking that responsibility seriously. For example, in 2008, employees at Google, Facebook, and Amazon have publicly protested their company's behavior on ethical grounds. Now, when you're talking about ethical implications, how do you think um, disruptive technologies like AI, big data, and automation are impacting today's innovation? And how has the role of a leader changed over the years? Uh, so those are those are two great questions, but in my mind, actually more um, des- disparate questions. So, uh, how does AI machine learning impacted the creativity and innovation of a of an individual? I would say uh, it's actually done a lot to remove the tedium for an individual, as opposed to enhancing their ability to innately be innovative. What I mean by that is that machine learning, for all of the anthropomorphized examples we see in movies and cinema. Um, and theater around what a robot is capable of, will be capable of doing. What machine learning has actually done is made simple tasks uh, quite uh, automated. Uh, So my litmus test for whether something will be uh, impacted by artificial intelligence in the next 30 years is whether or not you can perform that activity while simultaneously having an intellectually complex conversation with another individual. So can you drive a car and have an intellectually complex conversation with an individual? Yes. Can you, uh, can you brush your teeth, let's say? Can you, um, even can you, can you have a meal and still be doing, uh, uh, <laughs> having a very intellectually complicated um, conversation? The answer to all those questions is yes. And that's, and that's really an indication that that's not actually an intellectually complicated activity, right? And we know this intuitively. But those are the types of things that the narrow bands of AI are going to be able to automate relatively easily moving forward. Um, what, what that allows us to do is to spend more time thinking about creative and innovative ideas and pursuing the things that make us truly the most unique and sentient creature on the face of the planet, uh, our ability to be creative and innovative 
um, and to and to take a spark of an idea and materialize that into a full product or a full service or full capability uh, or an innovation. Uh, and it, that's a little bit abstract, but I like contextualizing this thesis about where the future is going by thinking about Star Trek. You know, in Star Trek, they still have computers. But they're actually pretty simple. The computers don't, uh, you know, they can do simple things like make your tea for you. Um, they can do simple things like change the direction of a ship. They can even monitor the status of uh, your engine. Um, but the computer is really not sentient in, in Star Trek at all. It's very, very descriptive and it has a huge compendium of knowledge, but it's not actually making many decisions that aren't relatively tedious. And what this does is it allows the members of the starship to basically sit in their pajamas all day and think about intellectual things, right? To think about the nature of diplomacy or to think about the nature of war and engagement, liberation of, uh, you know, of slavery and different planets, and all sorts of really fascinating problems. And, and Star Trek intentionally does not outsource that to the computer because it doesn't really, uh, now it doesn't really believe, you know, in, in their, their, their position, they're really not trying to create a, a full-on replication of sentience within a machine. Now, the exception of that, of course, is Data, which is this android on the show. Um, but, uh, but really, he acts as this treatise on the nature of intelligence itself. And his role is perpetually to highlight the limitations of, com of, of computation when it comes to understanding the human condition or, or really the nature of cognition. Um, so so that, that's really what I'm excited about, is I think that we're going to be able to enjoy intellectual pursuits increasingly as machine learning is able to automate the, the tedium of, of everyday life. Now, how does that change the way we have to be leaders? Well, that's, that's a very, um, it's a very, there are kind of two parts to the evolution of leadership uh, in the 21st century. Um, on the one hand, we have a uh, shifting culture that's generationally based. So it's certainly the case that, that Generation X, um, the, that Millennials, that Generation Zs, and certainly in 15 years we'll be talking about the post-COVID generation, all of those different generations behave quite differently. Uh, and I've actually seen a lot of distinguishing features between uh, millennials and, and, gen, and Gen Zs uh, in the workplace. Um, and I'll say I'm, I'm actually quite excited about, about Gen Zs and where they're going. Um, they have a very, very different attitude around work and responsibility and engagement that, that I find quite, uh, quite exciting and promising uh, for our future. Um, so a leader needs to be cognizant of the differences, the different cultural manifestations in their team in ways that I don't think they needed to be 50 or 60 years ago. I think that culture was very secondary to profits uh, and, uh, it, you know, 50, 60 years ago, and that leaders were able to set the tone, the culture much more decisively um, and with, with real impunity in terms of the ramifications that had on the team. And, th and that's not a good thing, in my opinion. I think a lot of uh, a lot of culture, a lot of industries and cultures suffered greatly from a top-down, um, di you know, essentially dictation on, on the nature of the culture for an organization or community. Um, so leadership needs to be more adaptive. It needs to uh, inculcate different components of different cultures into a single uh, identity for the organization that they're leading. Um, and I also think leadership these days is much more focused on um, a technique around, you know, serving their team, protecting their team, uh, being decisive when they need to be, uh, but 
but really putting their team in a position to um, be successful as much as possible and also fail, understand what failure means uh, and help them learn from those failures in a way that's, that's constructive uh, and, and encouraging. Thank you, uh, Charlie, for sharing such a, a comprehensive answer uh, using real-life cases and making sure uh, that um, our listeners are able to um, uh, embrace the fact of uh, your view on big data and automation. And of course, uh, taking um, taking into consideration the second uh, part of the question, which was the role of leaders, yes, being adaptive and focused is really crucial in today's environment where Specifically, everything changing is changing every day. And uh, if you talk about technology, everything new comes up every day. And, you know, you really have to adapt uh, to the changing needs of the industry as well. Um, so with all these discussions, it's quite clear that uh, we took AI away and our world would vastly be different in every way. So as the current investments and research uh, result in expanded and perfected use of artificial intelligence, we can expect the technology to become even more entangled into our daily existence workplaces and society. So having said that, can you share your uh, point of view on the current scenario of the data industry and its future? Uh, uh, yes. So I, I think, again, that the development of algorithms to automate tedium are going to be center uh, for, for the most important and uh, transformational developments in machine learning artificial intelligence. Um, I think where machine learning will fall short will be autom the automation of very difficult uh, decisions that uh, require really in real intellectual thought and, and consideration. And I think those will be, um, but I think those decisions will still be very much enhanced by artificial intelligence. So what I mean by that is, um, let's say you're required to do two tasks simultaneously today. One is to have a an intellectual debate, let's say you want to have an intellectual debate on the nature of stoicism while driving a driving cross country. Um, artificial intelligence is going to help you do that activity in two very different ways. Uh, the artificial intelligence will probably help you drive your car, although I personally think it's going to be quite a bit further out than many of my contemporaries. Um, but let's just say for argument's sake that, that it's able to automate that task. So artificial intelligence is, is driving your car across country for you. And the second charter, you're not going to be able to have AI have an informed and intellectually stimulating debate around the nature of uh, stoicism. We, we're just simply not at the point where we understand the brain well enough to do that. However, if you're, um, as you're driving, you're, or as the, the car is driving for you, artificial intelligence will be really adept at presenting you catalogs of information around stoicism. Maybe uh, different historical examples of how stoicism was deployed to mitigate, you know, the Franco incursion in Spain, for example, or uh, to understand the, the the basis of stoicism from, you know, the Stoics back in ancient Greece. Um, so there are uh, there are different things that artificial intelligence is really adept at at automating entirely, and for everything else, I think the focus should be not uh, creating synthetic versions of sentience, but instead to inform, um, you know, the 7 billion examples of sentience that we have on the planet. 
that's completely true i think uh, we really need to focus on if we are creating artificial intelligence model how we cannot create synthetic version of it because that's that's again a different challenge uh, that we are going to face dealing with the synthetic versions of different uh, artificial intelligence models now since we're talking about um, challenges uh, the use of technology can also have uh, adverse effects on people technology can threaten uh, individual autonomy um, violate privacy rights and directly harm individuals financially and physically so technologies can also be morally contentious by forcing deep reflection on personal values and societal norms so uh, since we're talking about technologies can you tell us uh, the major technology uh, challenges uh, the company has faced till now from a from a explicit technological side um yeah uh, that that would be great but overall if there's a specific um a challenge the company faced um just if not from technological aspect as well probably you can guide us uh, put a uh, limelight on both of the issues sure well certainly the biggest pressure that valkyrie has faced is being a, a small company that's um intentionally not funded by investors or by um corporate debt so you know valkyrie has uh, has grown um aggressively on paper if you look at our year end summaries that we we look you know we look like a very healthy growing completely revenue driven business but the challenge is that the we have had a lot of of uh, obstacles along the way that we've had to to overcome and I, i think it's only we can only attribute the overcoming of those those obstacles through the 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 guiding principles and values of valkyrie um we've had clients who've um suffered greatly during covid uh and have had to radically transform their their business approach um we've had clients uh immediately change their strategic roadmap based off of um factors outside of our control um we've had uh team members who are um you know who who discover that you know consulting may not be the right fit for them long term so we have to make adaptations there and of course the pandemic itself introduced a whole litany of different complications for trying to run a business so i would say you know we've been extremely fortunate um yes we we have a lot of success from that d- due to hard work uh but a good a good chunk of where we where we sit today is is due is due to our ability to aggressively pivot and then uh, the frankly the the fortunate outcomes that a, that a couple of circumstances have played um our our commitment to not have any investors uh and to have the market guide the value of our company which was essential treatise from the beginning um that value uh, or that 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 stubbornness on my part frankly when things would have been a lot easier to just take on capital may have been what saved valkyrie during the during 2020 um in that we did not have any reliance on any third party in order to provide funding and a lot of our uh, a lot of the people in our space even some competitors absolutely did uh and when covid hit that radically transformed the uh willingness for certain investors to stay engaged and supportive uh of of companies that were otherwise sound or otherwise had potential um we didn't have to deal with any of that uh so you know there are pros and cons to different uh business techniques and approaches and outlooks um i'm very grateful for us to for the decisions that we made to get to this point although sometimes we made decisions that were that created more challenges for us um than than we had than we had hoped i guess at the time 
Yes, uh, we are humans eventually and sometimes we may take up uh, wrong decisions that can be uh, uh, challenging to deal with the after effects of wrong decisions. But eventually uh, they all help us to learn. Uh, eventually uh, we we, uh, we know what is uh, what would be right in this particular situation and what would be wrong. Now, mm-hmm. um, um, uh, coming to an end, uh, Charlie, one of the central insights discusses that technology-driven firms uh, play a role in society that demands a consideration of ethical imperatives beyond the financial bottom line. So how does uh, a given technology fit within a broader understanding of the purpose of a firm as value creation uh, for a firm and its stakeholders? Having said that, how do you see the industry uh, ahead and the outlook of businesses? As, as a, the outlook of businesses due to the implications of machine learning? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... Uh, There are a lot of industries that have been able to tackle um, this transformation um, where we're we're empowering machines to automate a lot of decisions for us. Um, Some have have, um, been real standouts. I think the financial services space has been a real standout for embracing the power of machine learning. Um, But then there are other other industries that are not so obvious that are undergoing real transformation as well. I think yeah, the, the legal and medical spaces are two that are particularly stand out to me. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the role of paralegals has been greatly automated in the next, um, probably in the next 30 years or so, um, largely because of the amount of automation that, that we're able to make manifest through machine learning. Um, I would also say that I think hospital administrators and those who are in support of the administration of hospitals, um, I think that space will also evolve uh, pretty, pretty dramatically over time. So these are, these are spaces that people aren't really talking about. And it's a little bit, it's a little bit concerning from my perspective, because these are positions and opportunities uh, and and career paths that have provided a real differentiator for people um, as they transcend class structures, uh, as they, you know, perhaps, you know, let's say you didn't go to, you, you barely finished a high school and you're the first in your family and your ch- children will be the first to go to college and their children will be the first to go to graduate school. Um, some of the jobs that are going to be dramatically impacted by machine learning are some of the stepping stones uh, as you transcend from um, different socioeconomic classes in the United States. And I have genuine concern about what's going to happen there. Now, the, the bright side is that there are a lot of jobs that are opening up because of machine learning and artificial intelligence. Um, and as the you know, as, as the, the Luddites always, the Luddites were always very concerned about the nature of evolving technology and were protesting because they, they feared that uh, different technologies were going to put them out of work. And yet, time and time again, each, each every 50 years or so, we have a, a Luddite revolution of sorts. And yet, we always find ways for, for individuals to work. I mean, unemployment is um, at, at, uh, at very low figures and has been, even, even when, you know, within a short time frame, it seems high. Um, it's comparably extremely low if you're looking at long-term historical markers. And so I'm very bullish on human beings' ability to adapt and transform as technology provisions new ways of working and and obfuscate and, and uh, makes obsolete obsolete previous techniques um, and career paths for working. So uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's going to be a great adventure. I uh, I, I truly I know Valka is going to be at the forefront of some of those. Uh, those transformations and uh, and be leading those in a lot of ways, um, but I, I I do I do think that it, it will be whatever it will be it won't be boring. <laughs> uh, everything we've been able to observe 
is a pretty clear indication that um, humans have a have a pretty interesting uh, few decades in, in front of us. Yes, uh, we completely agree too that uh, Valkyrie will be at the forefront of this transformation. And of course, like you said, it isn't going to be boring. Um, um, so um, at the end of the day, we have to face the fact that algorithmic biases generally reflect the biases of society. An algorithm can be a dark mirror that reflects our own conscious and unconscious prejudices right back at, uh, back at us. On an individual level, this can produce a feedback loop that continuously reinforces our prejudices rather than challenging them. So personalization algorithms like those employed by Google News and Facebook News feed create filter bubbles that degrade our capacity for empathizing with people who have opinions and ideas that differ from our own. So this phenomenon has serious social consequences Like and leaders like Bill Gates have begun to point out. Well, thank you so much, Charlie. Uh, uh, it was a pleasure having you with us today. And I'm sure our listeners are going to have a different uh, perspective towards artificial intelligence after listening to this podcast. Um, it was a pleasure having you with us. Thank you so much for your valuable time. I appreciate that. And it's, I think that's a great note to end on. You know, we, we look at, a, if you look at the cultures of different organizations, we, we really champion um, treating people, treating people well, and regardless of of, uh, of wherever they come from and trying to develop algorithms to do the same. Now, there was a there's a Jewish philosopher who lived about 2021 years ago and he always um, he always uh, promoted the notion that you should treat others the way you'd like to be treated and I found that just about every business challenge or uh, interpersonal challenge can be resolved um, if you do exactly that and ingraining that into machines is going to be a powerful next chapter. So thank you very much for your time. Definitely. I appreciate joining today. Thank you so much. So listeners, watch this space for more podcasts. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel for insightful videos and podcasts. Till then, stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you.